0: This podcast is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Learn more at nypl.org/podcast. And to make sure you never miss an episode, find us and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Welcome to the New York Public Library Podcast, where each week we bring you conversations with world-renowned authors, artists, and thinkers recorded in front of a live audience in New York City. This week, we bring you a wide ranging talk between Ira Glass, creator and host of This American Life, and composer Nico Muley, who has composed a wide scope of work for ensembles, soloists, and organizations including the New York Philharmonic, the American Symphony Orchestra, and the Paris Opera Ballet. In this colorful conversation, Muley and Glass discuss music, anxiety, and their image of the first Christmas. Yeah.
1: Ira's the host of this American Life. <laughs> Seven.
2: It's totally, is totally
1: <laughs> so you didn't cheat. I didn't cheat. I was just boring. <laughs> <laughs> How many of you have uh, have seen the opera already here? Yay. A small bunch, okay. A small bunch. The rest, you you c-
3: have to c- go. Just go, 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 go.
1: Because there's going to be, I think I might have to reveal one spoiler over the course of this, so I apologize for that in advance. Now, you and I have met once more, but once, one time before this event, but we have one personal connection, and that is um, my cousin, Philip, is a composer, um, and you worked for him, for Philip Glass, uh, when you were in college, mm-hmm. right? and I wanted to start off, we'll get to the opera but I'm so curious what that job was like and what did you explain what you did for him and
3: so I, I, t- I take it that it wasn't the family business you weren't basically I moved to New York in 1999 um, and I was 18 and really confused about how it was that I was going to make any money at all and I heard through friends of a friend of a friend of friends that Philip Glass needed someone who could Do this really specific um, kind of semi-menial, semi-musical task, um, which is essentially after, after if you boil it down, it's he writes in longhand. And in order to write film scores, he writes in longhand, and then each individual line of music has to be played, sort of performed into a sequencer. And um, then synch- synchronize the picture. This is a process that in '99 this took a really long time. Oh, um, really? Now it's almost instantaneous. Right. But um, then it had to be done, you know, part by part, and and it was nightmarish.
1: And at the time, like basically, partly they needed to synchronize the picture that, so they can see how it looks. But then also, when you play it onto a keyboard. A computer can turn it into printed-out notes, so it's not Phillips scrawly right, handwriting. Right, precisely. So it's a combination it's of it's kind of transcribing.
3: It's and transcribing and um, editing, or something. sort of like editing, yeah. I mean, the, the, the complexity is that when you're when you're making something that's meant to be synchronized to picture, while you're doing this process, you can realize even after the first pass through. You know, I, I usually went in orchestral score order, so you start with the flutes. Um, and you know, you, I. But by the end of the, the first pass of the flute, I could se- I could see if things weren't lining up correctly. So you call Philip and and summon him over from his house, and he would say, "Oh, let's move this, cut this bar, do these things." And and, but it was it's a very involved. It's a very involved relationship because I have to work as fast as he writes, um, which I really quickly learned was very very quickly. He's an incredibly prolific. Part of it is because he gets up like way before dawn, um, and. I remember the, this, a couple a couple of years in, we were we were doing this really crazy score, and you know he'd get up at like 4:30 or something, and I got this panicked message from him on my home phone, which he never called. Um, this is actually my dorm room, and he said he said you know. I, I, I'm sorry to call you so early. I, I don't know what to do. Like I'm just sitting here, like surrounded by this music, and I'm reading it really, really quickly. But we our deadlines, and then you just can you please come an hour earlier? And these chords are not going to arpeggiate themselves. <laughs> 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 Which I thought was kind of the bad And I saved that message for as long as the, like Columbia like phones could do it.
1: <laughs> now you had the experience with Philip that. But, uh, <laughs> Okay, so Philip, I know Philip, his whole idea of how to compose music changed when he got kind of the same job with someone else that you got with him. He was hired when he was still a music student or just out of, out of kind of studying composing. He was hired by, uh, to, to, uh, to transcribe Ravi Shankar music, I think, for a film, film score. score. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and so he had to go through it note by note and beat by beat, and he became very interested in the way the rhythms work and the way the melodies work, and it totally n- nudged him off of Western music sort of thinking in a way that was, was, turned out to be life-changing for him. And... Um, and there's something so intimate about what you were doing which is that you're having to go in and recreate each note of what he's doing and thinking through and physically playing each note and seeing it in his hand. And I'm wondering, I'm, I, like, I'm, I'm just wondering what kind of things did you find yourself noticing about his music and, and how, did it, how did it then like, affect you and echo into your work? And one of the things that's, that's
3: fascinating about, about Philip's music is that it's, it can be simultaneously very fast and very slow. Where the the actual activity on the surface of the water is incredibly quick, but then there's this there's this secondary piece of information that is glacial, and and, in some in some cases it's you know in his really early work like most of which you know made in the the late 70s and, and early 80s is when I say glacial I mean it actually doesn't move at all it's basically a single a single sort of drone thing that can go on for you know. Forty minutes or whatever, um, you know, and there'll be activity on top
1: of it, but it's but the but the harmonic structure is the same. In and it's almost like it's almost like the feeling when you listen to it is like time is just suspended, like you're just right. held in time.
3: Or it feels like I mean, for, for me, I always think about it as as um, you know, if you're flying over a landscape, you it feels like you're moving very slowly, although you're actually moving very quickly. And then there's this other kinetic information inside the airplane cabin of you know screaming people and the clinking of forks and all that, and and. You know, with with Philip's early music, you get the sense of an acute awareness of how to deploy the passage of time itself as a musical thing, which it, you don't. You hadn't, with the exception of, I would say, Wagner. You, there wasn't really that obsession in in the Western canon. But then I also learned in in doing this process that you know his 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 film scores, which are you know the, it, they're pieces made for commercial purposes. Um, he's found a way to. To suit the needs of the project, and also have these very delicate kind of musical um, threads that, that he, he, he's a, he compromises without you even knowing it. It's very subtle. It's very kind of sleight of hand.
1: He compromises how, though.
3: Well, in a, in a sense, a, a film score has to obey. Um, it, ha, it has to obey the rhythms of the edit of the film, right? But with his music, you, you, can, you can see him doing that, but then also, if you really pay attention, you realize that he's, he's weaving through the whole thing um, this sort of deeper oceanic rhythm, if that makes sense. It's like he, he basically has, has figured out a way to, to satisfy everyone while continuing to satisfy a, a more kind of reptilian brain urge.
1: <laughs> um, do we want to talk about a specific piece of music of his? Because I've loaded up a bunch here. Well, you if, can you know, play on the piano. What,
3: one of the things that I, one of the first things I was sort of thrust into when I was, when I was doing this, I, I ended up working for him full-time um, once I graduated. And uh, the movie Nakoi which is the third of the Katsi trilogy, the first one being Koenis Katsi, which is the most famous, um, there was a there was a movement, was it called Media Weather? Media Weather, yeah. yeah so, we're, so the point of this movement, and this is one of the ones that I, I you know, did this crazy editorial process to, um, it, it's very lyrical and, and sort of gorgeous, and Yo-Yo Ma is involved, um, but underneath that there's this, there's this very slow and very simple repetitive pattern. Let's, let's listen.
1: How is this like the first two? Uh, it's identical. The, ba- the bass is identical.
2: I'll the show base you. The
1: bass line is identical. Keep playing. <laughs> Ready?
3: identical structure to the first phrase but with a whole new feeling because he's added this thing on top
1: of it Right. right and that,
3: that to me was you, you realize that what, what he's capable of doing is, is setting up these structures and, and that goes on for 12 minutes where you, you always have that same harmonic pattern where it's 5 bars of G minor this kind of E flat thing D and then it resolves twice very 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 simple and it could be something out of Purcell, but the the variations are so wide and you have this and you have this. It's like a revelation of a flute comes in, and the strings come in, and it feels like it's not the same thing, but actually it is, and it it behaves like, you know in the way of bigger patterns in the year behave, where it's like you know each springtime is a little different, but it's kind of always the same, yeah. right? Or each Tuesday is a little different, but they're kind of always the same as Monday. Like,
2: yeah, 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 exactly. Um,
3: <laughs> so it, so there's so there's repetition on a local level, right? Because there's that same thing going on the whole time, but there's also repetition on a much more on a much larger structural. Level, so that's and that's that thing of, of
1: fast and slow simultaneously. It's so then, exciting. And then and then, what did that do to you to like be to be seeing that at such a micro level?
3: It, well, first of all, I mean, I think for for me, what was so shocking about it was that it is so simple, and yet, it it's much harder to have. A house with like ten great objects in it than it is to just clutter it up with a lot of smart stuff, and I think I think one of the things that makes Philip's music so interesting is that is that it it's not it's it's not minimal because nothing happens. It's minimal because he's chosen like four things to obsess over, and so there's a sort of Zen to it, and um, there's and there's a. And there's a Obsessiveness, where it's like you know, instead instead of like a, I always think about it visually, like instead of a cluttered apartment that has like every that from every part of your family, it's like this one feather, a weird stone from Martha's Vineyard, you know? <laughs> and, but you but you know these objects really intimately, like a crazy old diary from Russia, and it's
2: <laughs>
3: it's a kind of you know, if if you have so few things,
1: you you have to you have to really see them from all, all angles, and w- and you were writing music at the point where you started working for him, right? You were already yeah. writing music, and so did it make you uh, pare your musical practice down? Did you write more simply? I,
3: I, got, I have to say, I, I got more interested in, in seeing if I could do it well, in, in making really, really simple music be emotionally effective, that's, and that's the trick, right? It's, you, oh, right, because if it's just simple, it could be boring. If it's just simple, it could be boring, right. Um, and in a, in a lot of cases, you know, just simple is boring. Like yeah. it, it takes, but you know, in 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 a lot of, I mean, if you think if, if you think about it, like food, I mean, a lot of. If it, if there's three ingredients in a dish, you have to you have to know when to reserve a little pasta water and add, and like you know, there's a there's yeah. a, there's an intelligence behind it that's that's more than just, you know, cooking simply.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah.
3: And, and I, I was, you know, when you're, when you're at school for music, you by necessity need to study all the most complicated versions of everything, which is fine, this is, this is a good thing. Um, and it's a good thing to know how to do. And I think, you know, for, for a lot of people who work on the more academic side of music, Philip represents like an enormous threat because what he's essentially saying is you don't need to, you don't need to do all this stuff. You can kind of, you can simplify it into just six notes. Um, so that was my, that was a, a kind of a great, Revelation, and also Philip himself, had this wonderful attitude where he was like, I'm perfectly happy writing a symphony one day, a film score the next day, you know, this thing the other day, it's it's, it's a complete sort of omnivore
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And his and his work practice, like like he, he's trained himself that he only gets ideas. he works certain hours mm. and he's trained himself so he only gets ideas during those hours. And if he gets an idea for something in other hours, he ignores it and he <laughs> claims that. So ideas only come to him when he's sitting at the piano. I'm wondering like did you did was there anything in his in his work practice that you're just he's, like, Oh it, I wanna do that? Well his
3: work ethic it, it less, the, the practice itself never quite worked for me. Um, of, of, of that specifically. I mean, it helps if you have like a like a big space in which to do nothing, and, yeah. w- and wait for inspiration to arrive. But I was living in like a dorm that was literally eighty one square feet, so it was, <laughs> slight, with like two other people, it was slightly more complicated. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it just it, his his approach to work was was actually what I, what I loved, and also the fact that, he, um, he behaves in a way that's very unlike most composers. Um, Com- composers were sort of were, were socialized to be, I, so we're almost anti-socialized. We're, we're meant to be solitary, right? We're meant to be like crazy naked geniuses in the woods, with like some horrible STD and like in a romantic, you know, attract. I mean, this is this is the this is the the romantic model, right? Is that you have like incredibly hairy knuckles and there's a there's a woman you love and you can never have, and you write a series of like very complicated you know violin etudes about it. And um, <laughs> and you buy, like, a really fabulous coat or something like this. Like, <laughs> um, what's great about Philip is that he doesn't play into that at all. And, in fact, he, he owns his own publishing company. He owns his own management company. He owns... So, basically, what what that does... by So, he owns his publishing company, owns management, owns... Um, he used to own a recording studio, which is right. where I, I worked. Right. Um, in fact, before I even started transcribing things, I was an intern there, just, like, you know, taking out the trash or whatever. And then... The um,
1: he owns and by owning the publishing company, what that means is that he owns his own music. A record company doesn't own it when he's done.
3: But what it also means is because there are people who work there, that he's as responsible to them as they are to him. So it means that he can't be crazy and and not write something for two years. That's right, like that that model of like the composer is late, the composer has not finished his work. He's running a business, I mean, he has to, right? Because it's like if he doesn't if he doesn't do his job, then then this very delicately organized system of, you know, people sort of falls yeah. apart. And, you know, I, I always, back in, in 2002 or, th- or 2003 when I got hired full time, it was like, the idea that I, I was getting health insurance not through some weird scheme, but actually from my employer Philip Glass, Philip, who's a composer. <laughs> it's weird. Like, there's not many composers who who have health insurance to give. You know,
2: it's. <laughs> it's
3: <laughs> but again, it's the solitary model, right? We're meant to be these like isolated geniuses. Philip has surrounded himself with the musicians he likes to play with. Um, he's surrounded himself by people who, you know, get what he's up to, and it, it's a community.
1: And and so and then and then talk about like moments where you then went to write. And, and you feel like it nudged you in a certain direction, and maybe play something, or we can play well, something.
3: Well, we can play, like, you know, the, if you have that bright mass with cannons, the yeah. obvious day would be good. Yeah, okay. I was,
1: the, the, um. This
3: is going to be slightly embarrassing if you, if, because it's in the same key as the thing we just listened to, so you'll be like, he totally ripped him off, but it's not,
1: actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, should I just start it? And you want to talk, or do you want to talk first? No, well, I'll
3: just tell you one thing about it, which is this is a piece of sacred music, and, and um, the idea... For, for sacred music is that it's music for use, right? And that it's meant to be performed in the morning. Um, it's a, it's, a, it's one of this, a mass setting, so this is the Agnus day. so you presumably be taking communion or will have just taken communion at that time. So people are walking around and you'll hear... This is for a church on the Upper East Side, and so you'll hear a kind of elegant heel clopping on marble. Um, this isn't a live recording, but that's the, imagine it, okay? Um, and basically what I... what. What I was
1: obsessed that's so with. So Peter and the Wolf. I didn't realize that that's where you were gonna go. <laughs> no, well, it is a little, little, oh, yeah. oh, Wait here. Play, play the thing. Okay, here we
3: go. It's drone-based and repeating patterns and. I mean it's pr- it's the the drone based economy is very much stolen from Philip the other things not so much but yeah. the idea that you can actually just do that and kind of and you insist on the, you insist on this one note being the through line
1: and then were you coming back around on the chords
3: yeah you ba- were... And so, ba- so basically i mean that it's sort of what like what i played before uh it's so that you always hear these three notes through every bar of that piece right so even if i even if i change the chord into like There are all kinds of options, or even you can keep these ones going and always lurking. Um, and that idea of of a, of a constant through sort of changing, changing um, context is something that I think you know Philip picked up on on from from Ravi Shankar. I mean, it comes it comes from this, this idea of what you ha- you know you establish a drone on the tambura, and then and then the sitar is free to do all kinds of other information, but it always returns home to that thing, despite you know, mathematical journeys to
1: strange rhythmic places and whatever else. It's funny, if I just heard the, the Mass without knowing that it was you who had written it and that it was in that tradition, I, like, I, is it dumb that I don't think I would have noticed that? But no, it's, you're not meant to. You're meant to be, you're meant to be wa- walking just, up to the altar. <laughs> right, of course.
3: I mean, the, I mean the, point of, the point of religious... I mean, this is another kind of thing that I'm obsessed with. Um, you know, oh, so much of music up until you know, basically through the, through the 18th century was for church, and not just for church, but it was for specific days of the year, right? So it wasn't, you didn't really have the luxury of listening to it more than once, maybe in your life. So if you were, if you were, if you were a parishioner in the church in, in Leipzig, right. you would hear a, a, you know, a single Bach cantata one time, right? Because it was written for the third Sunday after Pentecost, that's it. But doesn't that fall every year? You would hear it next year? No, no, he'd write a new one. Oh, he'd write a new yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, Oh. Because he was, no, 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 he'd hang out. I mean, it was, you know, you, it would. <laughs> he, didn't, he, he wasn't in Leipzig for a year and then peace out. <laughs> he, was, he was there for a long time. <laughs> he didn't just leave the kids, bye, y'all. <laughs> there was like 29 children or whatever. He, he had to feed those kids. And you feed the kids, by You know, he was, and, you know, when, when, you, when you read about, when you read bio- I, I I find composer biographies tend to be a little macabre, but... Um, <laughs> well, because it's usually about syphilis and straight people. Um, <laughs> but with with Bach, it's amazing because he's so overworked. And, he, and they, you know, they didn't have quite enough money to pay him, so they paid him in beer. There were a couple years when he was, he was literally paid in, like, case, kegs of ale. Um, he had more children than, than fingers and toes, which is amazing. Um, he had crazy deadlines, you know, and... and, and not just, for, not just for church music, but for you know, chamber music and other stuff he was writing for fun. It, and there, you know, there's, there are pieces that it's clear he's just writing it to keep the kids out of his hair, right? Where in there, instead of being like, Daddy, will you play with me? He's like, why don't you learn this? Send, <laughs> no, you know, really? send them away for two weeks. So it's, it, and, the, and you know, out of that came these amazing sort of masterpieces of, of Bach, but it, ca- it happened under pressure. And it happened under a, a deadline with no, there was no time to have an
1: emotional journey about it yeah, yeah. Um, t- talk about I th- I talk about choral music I've seen I've seen uh, I've seen a couple of places where, where you've said how important singing in a choir was for you and you were singing in a choir before you even played the piano right? it was sort of at the same time but I was I was the lousiest piano player because <laughs> um, you started playing the piano when you were 10? it was like a le- 10, 11 yeah which is really old for a classical a musician really old yeah. like most people who start that way they never go into classical music yeah usually yeah
3: yeah. Um No, I know. I mean, at, at Juilliard, everyone was like, "My God, how did you make it this far?" You know, it's like. It- <laughs> <laughs> Because they were like chained up in their parents' basement in Korea, like playing, like, <laughs> like you know, like in the crib, like,
1: like they lowered a piano and. <laughs> <laughs> but for real. <laughs> <It's like nuts. laughs> um, and, and so and so and so like like I mean I'm bringing this up because you're talking about like all this old music like like talk about talk about what you got from from playing from singing that music
3: yeah well, you know, the weird thing about I mean singing in a choir first of all it it is a very different kind of social music making than, than being a pianist and when you're you know if you're a little teen pianist in a lot of cases what you want to learn how to play are the big romantic show pieces, right you want to learn how to play like rachmaninoff and like um, and in a choir again you're you know, in, especially one affiliated with a church um, the expectation is that it's not about each individual person being fabulous and talented. It's about the, the organism being fabulous and, and, and almost unnoticeably great. That's the goal, right? If it's really good, then you just don't notice it because it's part of the, it's part of the, the theater of the liturgy. Um, and so there's a sort of double sense of erasure of, of, the, of the individual, right? Because the individual is like, you know, you're part of a choir that's not singing for applause, that's singing at specific points it's on a concert right it's at specific points in a in service to something in, else in, that is in service not to something else exactly yeah. and what you're really doing is you're helping people the congregation you know with their weekly or daily depending on, on your church you know re- relationship with the divine whatever the, whatever that is so it you learn really quickly and even before you can think about it that way you learn really really quickly a sort of ethos of mu- music making that's not about you and that for me was amazing because so many of my so many of my sort of friends who were who were studying you know violin or piano they they really in that, like in their head heaven was like them and like carnegie hall and like you know th- that was the that was the image um, when you're in a choir you just think my god like it would be great to just be, do this so well that we we vanish into the that it makes the whole the whole
1: organization feel hmm. good that the that the liturgy is strong wow
0: and right? are the parts of the music
1: that you loved the most? Like, you know, were there certain kinds of things that you just, like, that you just loved and that, and that you find yourself when you're writing heading back
2: towards? It's,
1: you know, I have to say, the, the, the music I loved the most was um,
3: the ones for really specific holidays. So, and, and usually that, that's, for me, for me Talis, uh, Thomas Talis who's, who, um, 16th century, a kind of amazing... Um, he lived through a, a very complicated time, series of times in, in English history when there was a, a really you know, bizarre relationship between Catholicism and the, and the Reformation and between how music needed to reflect that. Um, and this is like way more complicated than, than I, I'm capable of doing in the evening time. But basically there, there were these sort of official things that, that you didn't want music to sound too ornate with too many syllables were um, too many notes on a single syllable of text because that is Italian and sort of popish. Oh, right. So because it had you, to be well, austere, like an austere be, church. Well, it had to be austere, or you, it, it was. I mean, you, you, there are these tracts about it that are amazing about, about you know you know a good and comely nature of music. It's all you know italicized and, and beautiful and centered on the page. Um, and you know some some administrator would say you know you have to be able to hear each individual line set distinctly, otherwise it'll sound like it's from
1: Rome. You know, which is the worst thing? <laughs> um, it's interesting how, how parallel this is to what, what you liked in the simplicity of Phillips music. It's yeah, it's it's very similar. Um, the
3: it's it's also I mean the, for for me the, the other thing was that the in Phillips music the the composer you're not listening to it, listening to it being like oh look how brilliant it is right and the same thing with with this choral music it's like even when it is brilliant that's not the point. Right. The point is that is the holiday. That was maybe let me let me just take yeah, two seconds and find this thing. There's a um, uh, oh wait, I have like all this Tracy Chapman called up here. Wait, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> which we can we're gonna listen to in a second. Um, Tracy Chapman. Live for Tracy Chapman. I love his <laughs> 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 What is do you not? Had, is she still putting out records? Not that I've not that I found, but
1: okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, <laughs>
3: This here is uh, a piece by Talus that was meant for um, Pentecost, which is, is, as you you know, when when the Holy Spirit descended on the on the um, Christ, on the apostles and made them all speak in tongues. Um, And it's spooky, right? It's totally spooky.
1: Like
2: a, it's like a, a right?
1: slow-moving, like slow dissonant rock song.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: What
3: you have is, you know, what, what he's up to is that every little phrase ends with these kind of dissonant things, and then they release. Um, and you and you get this sense of the mouths contorting, and it's it's really a delicious
1: piece of music. So wait, so, say more about what you're hearing. So it gets to, yeah. So, well, here, I'll, I'll just start it back up again. Um,
3: okay, so what we just heard, that little beautiful cadence, um... If you listen to so the the top line is really clear, right? But the bo- in between, it's essentially like a he he makes he takes all the notes that are moving around, rolls them up into a big ugly ball and releases it. Just l- listen again.
2: Right? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like chaos it's in like, an whoo- order. Oh, it's,
3: a, it's it's over in a second, but what it is, it's all these little trails of counterpoint meeting kind of, sort of asymptotically at one point and they just go <laughs> it's great and it's it's this it's this kind of magical effect where where it's it's sort of multiple people speaking to each other speaking kind of alone meeting somewhere and then all, all all of a sudden speaking in unison and i love i love that effect and, there's and have a, you sung this yeah a million times i mean this is this is one actually that we did every year on and it's pa- super on fun House. to sing because you so feel to it because suddenly then you hit the harmonies with each other and it just right. feels so good exactly and it feels like sports that's i mean that was actually because um as have, you, imagined, have you played a lot of sports i played like one sport one time <laughs> <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> was, i like caught a ball by accident like it was just, <laughs> It was good. Um, I have cleats and shit. Um, no,
1: it was. It was. Um, you know, it really isn't about the outfit.
3: <laughs>
2: I understand. <that. laughs> do not you. About sports. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, we, you know, it, it's
3: singing in a choir makes you really feel like you're you're part of a team in a, in, a, in a way. And, you know, again, you would never say to a, another person like, "Oh, you were really great today." You'd just say, "We we sounded good." Um, yeah. And I still I still try to make music with that in mind, where you know, if the people who are singing it as a, as a collective organism feel good about it themselves. Um, but the other, you know, the other thing that, that we can talk about is let me, do you yeah. have that Senex? Yeah, I I, right do have, you want it. the loud central part? Do you want the beginning you part? Know, let me. I can, I can manipulate it here. Okay. Um, so one of the things that drove me crazy so I love this music, right? Love. Um, one of the things that, that drives me a little bit nuts about modern um, church music has to do with how um, gentle a lot of it is, and I think if you if you read, I mean certainly the Old Testament, but but especially you know the, the things surrounding the birth and death of Christ, it's really crazy and violent. It's a really extreme situation. Um, Christmas in particular. You know what? What drives me crazy is is these these
1: beautiful kind of slow. But you don't mean Christmas when Christ, Christ time. You mean Christmas in like the Middle Ages, like that it was all fine. No, I mean too, Christmas. I mean Christmas like when like in when year, the, zero. year zero. Year
3: zero. Because <laughs> if you right. The, oh, right, right. Because stars the, are coming from heaven. Stars like, are coming, but not just stars. The whole the the entire heavenly host appears. Like right? everyone's there. All kinds of angels. So people are looking up and seeing grandma, and <laughs> and it's but and, and remember that we're in you know we're in like. We're in literally a barn in Palestine, right? And it's like a really cold, and there's, there's this, what, what sounds, you know, if you, if, you, if you compare the Gospels, it sounds like there was an earthquake, and, it sound, and the heavens were, you know, ripped open, and it's like, you know, what, what a lot of the English choral tradition, which I, of course I love, I love, I love, does with that, it's like... You're like, eh. It doesn't give me, <laughs> it doesn't give me like, you know, you look up and like Palestinian grandma's there like, you know, looking down really angry. And, <laughs> and You're seeing more of an action film. Like. Well, it is, though. I mean, yeah. it's really, and, and you know, the idea is that, and the, and the, the shepherds, you know, the people who were living out in the mountain are terrified. They're going to be terrified by what happens, right? It's, it's not this like gentle, like, oh. Like um, <laughs> right, cause, and that's and that's that that's that sort of Christmas face that people make when it's like you know the baby Jesus is like mm. <laughs> right that sort of NPR smiling <laughs> hey watch it <laughs> um, like, like, um, so I got kind of I got kind of obsessed with making um, with making something a little more violent so I wrote I wrote this piece for for um, for uh, for Christmas and I thought well, what does it actually sound like when What's the what's the kind of stylized version of that moment whenever, when when you look up in the sky and everyone you've ever known is there screaming? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's see if we can find it. So this will be held by a lot of volume. <laughs>
1: so it's like it, and also it's like a feeling of chaos and then it gets really beautiful I and mean, right. chaos and and th- i mean that's that's sort of for me what what any like
3: meteorological event which is how this is described should feel is that you don't know what's going to happen right and what what always drives me crazy is like when you know in christmas it's just like <laughs> 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 and you think well i know exactly how that ends <laughs> right, and it, and that, you know, that doesn't end on a cross. Thirty-three years later, or whatever. So, you know, it, it feels like. Um, anyway, that, that's sort of a Mr. Rogers version of of, the, of that hymn, but that's the same text, right? Just it's the you know the heavenly host appears and they sing, "Glory be to God." You know, and it's fine, but it's meant to be
1: terrifying. I think, and, and are they? <laughs> it does, yes. And um, and 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 uh, and are they singing words? Like yeah, at the some same point, it, they, they, they oh. are just over. Yeah, but what oh. they're
3: doing is that each, so that you have a big chord, and you know it's um, just an F minor chord, whatever. And and um, each individual singer is instructed to sing the text at a different speed. At a different speed, they set themselves, or you set the speed. No, no, no. You, as long, my my rule, and what I, what I write in the score
1: is just don't do it at the same speed as the person next to you. So, everybody's at a, so everybody has the same words, and they're going at a different speed just kind of whenever, they're, as long as they hit the note, they're
2: supposed to be As long as they in. hit
3: the note, and then there are these big cues to kind of change the next one, so you finish saying the phrase and then move to the next chord, and
1: they're designed in such a way that the chords can, you know, they can sort of dovetail into one another. Um, and then sometimes are you having them come together in unison, or you don't even bother with that? In in this, I don't. Um, this is a, an early experiment in, in sort of techniques that I I got
3: better at. I mean, it's it's a little weird because you know so much of learning to sing in a choir is learning to do things at once, um, you know, and to and to. Oh, right.
1: So you're unteaching that. You basically. unteach
3: it a little bit, and there's a, and there's a sense, and it, it's also like I mean, I've learned, I've I've heard this done with with a, a lot of different people, like your your instinct is the person next to you is doing something and you just want to do it at at the same time right yeah. so so to undo that it it feels physically a little strange i can see um, that and it's it's a funny it's it's a funny thing to ask um but i you know it, it does give you that effect of kind of infinity rather than rather than
1: you know sorry in in, in the snow or <laughs> whatever like, yeah which brings us to to the score for for uh two boys where where I mean, I think everybody who goes to see it, there's a moment, like pretty early in the show, three or four acts in, where like three it's been- uh, in, it's Three or four three scenes in, don't Three or four scenes in, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Robert Wilson Yeah, I was opera. gonna say, 18 like, yeah, no, plays to the, to the, <laughs> left, of the <laughs> left of the Shell station. And yeah, then, exactly. Right. Um, sorry, three or four scenes in, and, and at the beginning it's like a police procedural. It's like right. It's like it's a, SVU. It's SVU, yeah. Yep. yeah, it totally is. And it's an SVU crime. And, um, and, uh, and it's police procedural and it's cops and it's a kid and like and uh and then there comes this point where the kid starts to explain the internet to the cop, and then you just like you and the director and the designers just like open the space out, you open it out musically, and we have a video. Like, let's play it off the yeah, video. Can we, should we, should and, we... and do you want to just talk about so so the so the way that they're doing the lyrics is just like on there.
3: It's, it's exactly the same technique as as um terrifying Christmas. It basically I I was looking at the, the librettist, Craig Lucas. We, we were looking at um, a lot of chats that that can en- end up either totally, you know, innocuous or really violent and crazy. They usually start with people saying, "Hey, how are you?" Right? Or "What are you doing?" Or, "Where are you?" Um, and so we, we chose kind of we chose the first. Or Craig chose the first line of a bunch of different chat room, you know, introductions that people made. And um, I had the entire Met chorus. Like the greatest singers in the world. Right, exactly. Sing, <laughs> sing them all at different times in the, in the same way. And you give them the notes that you're supposed
1: to hit. You're hitting this note, right, you're hitting exactly. this note. Yeah. And okay. then, so
3: we do the cycle once, and in, in true sort of Philip, Philip fashion. The second time through, I add two, two soloists um, who sing together the text of, um, if you remember this case, uh, Megan Meyer and Lori Drew. Me- Megan Meyer was a 15-year-old girl who was compelled to kill herself by... A, uh, what she thought was a teenage boy online. Turned out to be a middle-aged woman, but the teenage boy was like, led off by saying, you know, oh, I saw you in school, like, you're, you're awesome, whatever. And then slowly, over the course of a couple of weeks, sort of started to torment her and say, you know, you're, you suck, you should kill yourself, have a shitty rest of your life, the world will be a better place without you. And she eventually actually did kill herself, and this was one of the first cases of, of um, people trying to figure out what, what was exactly the crime that this older woman was committing in pretending to be a 16-year-old boy that, and anyway, so this, this section of the opera is, is really about, it's really about these sort of suburban relationships and how, you know, it, the, the, the musical inspiration for me was, was simultaneously these you know, mul- multiple text things, but also if you've ever, if you've ever landed somewhere um, in a plane like just around nightfall, and you and you circle for a long time, and you come in very very slowly. You see, you begin to you begin to see the, you know the, the sort of stereotypical shimmering lights. There's also this blue light from from screens, and you realize that everyone's having these kind of you, you don 't know what everyone's doing, and it used to be that a domestic scene was so clear because it, it, a domestic scene only involved the people who were in that house at that time. But then now you can ha- you know people are playing poker with people in Australia, and people are having sexy conversations with people they think are in Australia, and maybe not. Um, and people are being compelled to kill themselves. So,
1: so you gave that image, you described that image to the designers. To, to the, the designers. designers. So and wh- they came back with this thing. They came back with
3: this unbelievable piece of animation, um, which we're going to look at, at. Okay, so um, um, should we? Yeah, let's, let's, let's look at it. Okay.
1: phrases in the English language that really don't belong in an opera, or at least don't belong very easily. For example, uh, there's a scene early on where where the cop is talking to the cop boss, and she needs to get a transcript of some online chats, and they're singing, You know, they're not on the laptop, and then one of your characters sings, you have to go to that server. Mm. Or later, the cop sings to the mom, did you monitor his online activity? I was like, really? <laughs> like, that's, a, that's a line in an opera? Did you monitor his online activity? And then I, I tried to picture you having to like write, and I was just like, from your point of view, like, there's the parts of the, of the story where huge dramatic conflict happens and where you open up onto the entire world of the internet, which happens like, a bunch of times, which is so crazily beautiful, and you have people disguised as other people, and then you have these moments where you, somebody has to say to the other, did you monitor his online activity? And I wondered, as the composer, do you just feel like, all right, this kind of stuff, like I'm going to do like as good a job as a person can do. Well, you know, but, but this isn't the fun part. I'm just going to like do an honorable job with this part. You know, <laughs> I mean, the, the the challenge is that you know you can't just have. You can't just have like six delicious
3: choruses and go to bed, and that's not an opera. Right, right. <laughs> so, right. if you, and you know, the, 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 for me, the, the, the challenge of the piece is that you need to have this incredible sort of boring register active. You, I mean, I think I think you find that in in I mean, if you think about it, you know the, the the beginning of the Marriage of Figaro is just is just him. With numbers, it's him saying numbers. Yeah. And the same thing with Don Giovanni. Actually, it also starts with numbers, but representing a slightly different thing. But it's, you know, it, it, it's a, it's boring. P- part of opera is it has to it has to be boring, so that when you get these moments of release, they're even more extraordinary. Does it have to be
1: boring? You're saying there has to be exposition. It has well, when to be I, boring. I say,
3: when I say boring, I don't mean boring, boring. I mean lowercase be boring. Okay.
1: Because well, no, it's, it's nothing. But you is have it not as fun to write? Is what I'm asking you. Like when I mean, you
3: you know what it is? It's it's it's
1: actually is
3: fun to write. It's just harder. But, you know, it seems harder. Let me think of a how, to, how to phrase this. Yes, it's way more fun to be like, here's the fun moment when it doesn't matter what the text says, right? Because in the chorus, it's like we're in, we're in text soup, right? It's just text infinity. Um, but in moments where, where it says, you know, you have to go to the server, you actually need to hear those words to, in order to advance the plot. As a composer, there's a challenge in that, right? Because in, in the voice, there's only a, a certain number of notes that... Where that's going to be clear, right? So you have to stick it in a very specific place. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you can't sing it high. Right. Also, why would you? Right? I mean, there's, a... <laughs> there's I mean, there's well, a... maybe they argue over it. No, well, wait, even, like, even God, then, so that, you know, well, how, would you, how would you say it in, in, in speech? You'd say, I can't believe that you lost a server. <laughs> it always goes down. It, it, um, so, you know, a lot of it was trying to figure out how people speak to one another and, and to what's the word, to, to sort of deploy the, deploy the everyday text that we, that we would use in an in, in
2: investigation. I know, but, but
1: it's funny because you guys make a tactical decision, it seems like, that you're going to make the language into utter realistic language. And one of the things that's really a pleasure in watching it is you see people in normal clothes, mm. and like in offices and normal settings like represented on an opera stage, which I don't know why I find that so exciting to see everyday life represented and magnified that way. But then when you're doing regular language, because it doesn't rhyme, you as the composer are put into a situation where you can't like, you can't do everything that's in your powers. You know what I mean? Right.
3: Well, this, I mean, this is an interesting opera also because it, just the, the nature of the story sets up a million limitations before you even start writing music. It's not you know, it's not an opera in which everything can happen. Right? right. It's not an opera in which I can literally do everything I know how to do. It's actually almost the opposite. There's like four things that I can do in it. Which is why I liked which is why I like it because it was it wasn't, you know it it, it wasn't sort of stylistic carte blanche. I it was I wasn't trying to throw everything I, I could do at it. That's interesting.
1: It's it's a it's a very limited palette of how the chorus works. But did you feel like 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 you end up having to do a lot of because you're in regular language, a lot of what's the word you like opera uh, recitative Re- recitative, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mean
3: words. Some, some of it feels like recitative, yeah, definitely. But then you know, for for me there there are moments where there are moments where, for instance, when she's when our policewoman um, I, I feel like I should give you a synopsis of the plot, but whatever. Um, in a second, I'll do that. A kid attacks another kid, a policewoman is investigating. Exactly. The policewoman has her own emotional I baggage. I do this part for a Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> yes. um, I, know, I never know what to say. I'm like, Internet? Um, the... the um, when she's speaking to her mother, it's everyday language, but it gets poeticized by the intensity of the emotion. Yeah. Right? And that's the, that, was, that was a trick also in... in not from me, but from from Craig to figure out those moments where it the librettist yeah. where it, where it floats a little bit right where you where you, you you realize that you know and I think I think between her and, and her you know if you're talking oh, and to the boss place it's that, not... and there's
1: a place where like and there's a place where like the computer language gets really pretty and poetic there's a point where somebody starts singing um, end of thread that's right yeah, exactly end of thread and it's so beautiful at the place where it comes and has like the meaning of the end of this chat, but also the end of like a whole a whole series emotional of emotional yeah. things. Yeah. I mean, a
3: lot of you know a, a lot of the, a lot of the words that we use to describe life on the internet, are very loaded
1: ones. I guess I'm asking though, did you find it, like frustrating or counter to the whole idea of writing an opera? Like, here you are, you're commissioned to write an opera, and I'm like, oh my God, look at these words that I'm supposed to put to music. Like, what did what I, I agree to? I, is I what I'm I, asking no, no, no. you. Well, that isn't. I mean,
3: they didn't commission. They didn't, like, hand me a libretto and say, set this. No, and I we built it, and <laughs> No, like, I know. Your that's idea. a very different, I mean, you know, I'm sure... I, I, don't, that, yeah. I, wouldn't, I, would, I didn't set anything I wasn't happy setting, basically. And, I understand. Of, and Craig and I had a very, very, very long process. I mean, you know, for, I, I actually fought about the word server, because how do you sing those R's? Right? They're weird. It helps that we have an English, an English person saying them, so she just sort of elides through. But rhotic language is hard. Because in, 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 you know, huh. if, if, you, if you're going to say an... Server. Server, right? <laughs> it's like so now it it's, sounds so weird. Right? Well, it's a weird word. Yeah. I mean, the word weird is weird. I mean, the, you know, and actually, the word weird is, is in the upper. And
1: it's hard to set. Because we you're, just smoked pot. I don't
3: know yeah. if you saw. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> like I don't know if you saw the part where we just smoked pot. Yeah. yeah right. Exactly. <laughs> right.
3: Just by um, anyway, um, it's, there there are a lot of words that are hard to set. It's it's not it's not easy. I remember I I, I um have a friend who's, who's a soprano who said. She does a lot of new music, and she was like, you know what? Like, I just sing so many song cycles where the composer sets the word vomit. And I never know. (laughs) (laughs) So I never know, is it, like, vomit or vomit? (laughs) It's
1: a good question. (laughs) Are you consulting your notes? Uh, um, I was looking for a piece of music to play you. Um, Somebody told me uh, she was interviewed by an airline magazine, and she said, is there any restrictions what you can talk about? And they said the one thing you can't talk about in an airline magazine is throwing up. Quite right. (laughs) Yeah. Is that the only restriction? What? I mean, that's in the story it is. Right. <laughs> no, I, was a, I don't edit an airline magazine, so I'm not an expert. I was
3: in a plane a, a couple months ago and they were and all the movies, like three of the movies on the, on the in-flight whatever, were. it was like that movie where Denzel Washington crashes a plane. <laughs> um, it was that movie where flight attendants kidnap like
1: Jodie Foster's baby. <laughs> I was, I was like, on a plane <laughs> where they showed Apollo 13. I was like, this is so inappropriate okay, so about inappropriate. a piece of machinery that's much better built than this one. <laughs> okay, no, like, <laughs> exactly. And you're random like, Delta
2: Force. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: like so yeah. Um, so y- your opera is so dirty. Your opera is so dirty. <laughs> your opera is so dirty. Um, your uh, mom's opera is
2: so dirty.
1: Your mom's <laughs> opera is so dirty. So you're like, there's a point where I was just like, where, where what's going to happen to the point where like one of the characters says to the other one, I'm "Like, turn on your cam," and I was just like, I literally just like almost went like, I don't want to see this. Hold on. <laughs> you don't actually see. it.
2: Take out on your junk. take out your junk, out your junk. Shot, me a gravy, ah, Gob on it.
1: Give a little gravy, gob on it. Thank you for paying $160 for these seats. <laughs> yes, I... So Yeah, it's so dirty. It's a little dirty. I mean it's but the thing is, it's a little dirty. I mean, have
3: you been on the internet? That's how people talk to each other. Have you been to the Met? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I feel like I feel like first of all, okay, a couple things. Opera, I'm not attacking, no, no, no I'm appreciating. I mean and Opera is interesting to me because opera, first of all, a lot of opera is really dirty. Like if you, like Mozart, Mozart operas are dirty. Don Giovanni begins with essentially like a, it's a diary of women he's had sex with. I'm sorry, like that's what it is. Yeah. Right? That's dirty. That's about, I mean, that's more people having sex than in here. We just have one. Nobody <laughs> takes out their junk. <laughs> well, but the thing is also, but if you, if you've seen opera up in Europe, it's naked everywhere. It's every, naked Everywhere. Everywhere. Basically, oh. if you, a, any opera in Europe is just penises everywhere, um, <laughs> no, literally, it's true, and for, and for no reason they'll do they'll do Fenchula Del West naked. It's like you know, I, there's a they're very sexually violent productions of Don Giovanni, and remember, We saw Carita Matilda's entire vagina in Zalome two years ago at the Met. Okay, weren't you there? No. <laughs> it's, like, it's like fine, point taken. <laughs> no, literally, it was like it was like. You're minding your own business, all of a sudden, there's a finished cootie cat so right there even... on the stage. It's like, it's, <laughs> so, it's like so unexpected,
1: and so I had... and no vagina. Yeah, it's true. There was no vagina. No vaginas were harmed in the making of this opera. <laughs> right, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, um, but that's because your protagonists are all boys. That's right. Well, you know. <laughs> um, so, so. It did, so, at any point in the process, did it occur you guys like, oh, this is kind of dirty? Yes
3: and no. I mean, I think we, we we made an initial decision to say that you know the the we wanted to be true to the. the I mean, really, what 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 the, what the point of it is that, is that conversations that, that start one way can go really nasty really quickly. Yeah. And and one of the one of the differences between online and 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 you know person to person is that you can you can escalate. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it took it took us what like an hour and ten minutes to say gob on it. We're online; it could be five seconds, right? Um, and I think, and later when
1: we're chatting, yeah, totally right away. But
3: I mean, I think, I think one of the one of the big one of the amazing things that that the way that people people talk to each other online is that it's it's totally
1: unfettered. I mean, they yeah. they, they kind of go for it. No, I see what you're saying. Like that's the aesthetic of the thing you're documenting, and so yeah. you have no choice.
3: And, well, and, and it, it was it was also a choice to be. I mean, you know, the good news is that. Is that what we what we say and what you know the, the text that Craig selected? A lot of it actually happened. A lot of it was from the original. But
1: this is one of the things I was wondering watching it, because like, a lot of the stuff we see, you know, they're singing lines that that seem like they could be in a chat. How how much are you taking things from the actual chat? Well,
3: Craig, Craig is sort of the person to ask, but he, he took a lot from either chats from from the case on which this is based or from just other yeah. things. I mean, there there are many many. I mean, in in for instance. Um, we set the entirety of the of Mark Foley writing to his page. Do you remember this? That when that um, yes, con- yes, con- yes, con- yes, yeah, 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 it's amazing. It's, it's unbelievable. And so in that in that in the third chorus, we have that whole thing. He says, "How's my favorite young stud doing?" And the boy's like tired and sore. Oh, why? You know, I had lacrosse practice. And then he's like, "Take off your pants." I mean, it's re- It happens really quickly, yeah. and it's it's amazing. And it's like this is a per- this is an elected
1: person writing to his like teenage employee on instant messenger. Um, and then like honestly, the effect of seeing it in. In the Met, where you have these incredible singers and this incredible orchestra, and it's beautiful—like it's a complete, you know, aesthetic. I don't know. It's just like this show has such an original aesthetic, and it enforces itself in every direction. And to see something like that, is, it's shocking
2: in good, a way good. that I'm glad.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: But, but I mean, our, our our goal wasn't to shock. I mean, the the, the point isn't the point isn't like we're going to show these Met audiences is like that. I mean, it, I, I guess the point was almost more: this is. This is the subtext, this is the, this is the motor. This Behind. is the world that this is happening. This yeah. is the world that this is happening. And, the, yeah. and this is also the world of, of, of a lot of operas that, that, you know, in which there is sexual violence, like Don Giovanni, for instance, um, or in
1: which there, I mean. I know, but in other opera, it isn't so. Like the language of those operas isn't contemporary language and isn't as explicit, so it feels right. different. So yeah, so to it, say feel, that it
3: feels different, but in a lot of cases, you know, in a lot of cases, it. You know, you, a production can expose sexual undertones or over, or overtones. No, I see that. Um, and so this just this just sort of almost reverses the reverses the
1: the thing, right? Where you, where... I know, but I feel like as you answer, I feel like you feel like a need to keep yourself inside the canon or something. You know what I mean? Like, like you're saying, like, well, no, we're just doing what everybody else does. And I feel like that's
3: okay. But I, I, it's not it's not about the canon so much as just it's not. It, it's not designed to shock. It's the, I understand. It, it's designed to, it's de- designed be to expose. Right? Yeah, yeah. We it's, did, well, it. the thing is, it's easy and dumb to be like, I just want to be shocking, yeah. right? But this is, this is more of a, more of a like... This, this is a story. This is a real story, and this yeah. is something that happens in people's bedrooms and schools, and now, you know, back then, in, in 2001, which is when, when the piece is set, um, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine technologically... 2001 but that was way before facebook that was way before cell phones that had the internet on them that was really before smsing had become had become a thing in america right in 2001 it was like sprint kind of did it yeah but you had to like log on to some weird thing it was like this whole yeah it was a very different time um and there were these very specific outlets for all of this kind of extra pent up like sexual anxiety or or social anxiety or you know whatever and and the it, you know, now it's much more and sort of And you, you were
1: in the internet then? You were how old?
3: In 2001, I was, a, I was a junior in college. Oh, so... But when I was, you know, when I was, when I was in high school, it's like that's when you sort of started sort of, sort of poking around. And Did
1: you have creepy experiences on the internet? You know, I didn't because I'm kind of scurred. I'm like, it's, the internet's really terrifying to me. Really? Um, I saw somewhere where you said the internet is a delivery system for a really scary drug. And I was like, what do you mean? What is the scary drug?
3: Like, th- th- basically, it's, y- you find yourself in in situations of unexpected, like, emotional closeness with people. Um, just because you can just talk, you know, y- you send someone, and you will say, hey, how's it going? And then they're like, then they say all this horrible stuff about their family. And then you write back and you're like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Then you sort of tell them another thing. And then they tell you another thing. And then all of a sudden, very, very quickly, you're in this... You're in what feels like a, a you know a kind of you're you're in a, you, you have like this, an almost emotional commitment to someone that you you know you've you've uncovered the rock and you can't you can't put the things back in or you know to, right. that's it's, like a, it's, an, intimacy that, ever, it's an
1: intimacy that you can't control and you don't know where it's going you don't know it where, came where it's going out of exactly yeah. and I think
3: you know and it came out of nowhere and, and you know even you find yourself when. When you know, like in the last couple of weeks since this thing opened, people have been texting me who are from out of town, being like, "Oh, like I'd love to see it, but I can't, I can't come in." You say, "Oh, no problem, whatever." And they're like, "You know, my mom's been really sick." And then all of a sudden, you're in this kind of text thing, and it's, it's a, it's an interesting, um, it's like a, it's like a fast shortcut to intimacy.
1: Yeah. If that makes sense. See, but that doesn't seem scary most of the time. Oh, I find that very scary. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but most but when you're talking about communicating with people you know like that's you, No but I mean,
3: it, it you're, happens you're stranger, with people don't know don't, right? yeah 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 um, or yeah. you know what basically also some some people online have a real agenda yeah right they they have a long game planned and this is this is what's so interesting to me about, about but at this
1: point in your life like most people who you deal with online are people oh, now who it's you know. fine yeah, but yeah, i'm talking yeah. about in like back in the day yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. in yeah now it's i'm you know that, that's now it's no worries but the um but, you know, I find it interesting, like, every, every couple of weeks, we still hear about, you know, totally normal people, like, you know, ad- adults, who get totally scammed on the yeah. internet. There's that, there was that professor who ended up being a coke mule for what he thought was his Brazilian model girlfriend. Do you remember this? It was no. like In the Times Magazine. No. Like, a month ago. Check it out. I'll, I'll email it to you. Okay. It was, it was like... You know, this this guy gets, was in an online relationship with this woman, and she sent pictures, and she was, you know, a, a Brazilian model, and you know, we should all be so lucky, and and she was like, oh, meet me in Paris, and then he goes to Paris, and she's not there because you know someone died, and then slowly, you know, she, he ends up like taking her bag that has sentimental value, which is like some random like to me briefcase. She's like, don't open it, you know. So of oh, course wow. it's filled with cocaine, and of course he gets caught, and of course. Wow. I mean, I can call it up now. No, no no, like, no, no, no. Let's, let's, let's go back to you.
1: Um, uh, during the output when people are looking at computer screens and singing, what's on those screens? Uh, just little LEDs. Just lights. Yeah. Um, maybe the chorus may have, may have written down what they have to do. I don't know. I wondered if they wrote down their notes. Little cheat sheet. Um, One of the things that, that seems different th- th- about the real case that this is based on, well, well, I'd be curious how, how you would describe it. Like, Were there things in the real case... That you and your librettist decided, we, let's not do that, let's not go there. There are a couple things. First of all,
3: as is always the case, the actual reality of the thing is so much more complicated than what we, than what we were able to show, just for, just for reasons of not making it you
1: know, 97 hours long. Right. Um, the, also I have to say, like reading the real story, so the story is about, is about someone, a, a, a kid who gets convinced over the internet by various like, internet avatars, one who claims that she's a spy, one who claims that he's like a, like a, 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 sort of a tough guy. Like, like an assassin. Yeah, an assassin, right. And, and a 16-year-old gets convinced to, to try to, to kill another kid. Um, and, uh, and the real-life kid is so much more gullible than your kid. The real-life kid, whose name is Mark, your, your kid's name is Brian, Um, The real life kid was promised, this is not even a joke, was promised by the the internet avatar, 80 million pounds for for killing this kid, sex, a career in the intelligence service, cemented by a contract. He was given uh, an an ID number, 47695 as his official spy ID. He was ordered to terminate his friend, and when it was done, he was gonna be meeting uh, Prime Minister Tony Blair. That's what he was promised. And you're like, oh, this kid is such a dummy you He's so gullible, and then I wonder, did you guys look at that and we're like, we can't do that. Because
3: I mean, listen, even now, in our, in our like, much more sensible version, I still have people calling me up talking about, I didn't get it, how can he be so stupid? And we're like, people are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it's not that, actually, sorry, it, the moral is not that people are stupid, it's people are lonely. Right. That's what it is, right? And I think you know, in, in this case, I don't think it was the money. I think it was the idea of of feeling like he belonged to something, and that he had a, he had one job, and he could do it, right? That's that I think is the. I mean, what we learned through making this piece is that that's that's the mo- the motivating factor. It's not it's not the it's not the money. It's more about the sense of someone someone I'm sli- in slight kind of sex awe of. asking me to do something, and I will do it, and then I will be rewarded, and then and that. And then I'll be part of this exciting thing, I'll be a spy. Right, <laughs> and, and there's an emotional intimacy implied, right? And so the, you know, the, so it's less about stupidity and more about um, you, you sort of put aside the part of your brain that deals with, deals with practicalities and you just kind of go with it. Um, and, you know, I, you, you see that in, in the case of, also this guy, again, the, 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 the um, physicist who thought he was gonna meet this, you know, mm-hmm. and you know you see a picture of the guy and he has like you know dandruff the size of cornflakes and like clearly is is not gonna get within 20 feet of a Brazilian supermodel, but
1: he's like convinced yeah. that this is for real. One of the things that's really interesting in the opera in the first half of it is that all the adults seem really boring and you do not envy them, and all the kids have these incredible like alive, you know. Exciting mm. life on the internet, and 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 you you want to be them. Right. You don't want to be the adults. You don't want to be in the real world. Yeah, it's a little bit Muppet Babies, but we <laughs> we um, <laughs> <laughs> we had this
3: kind of. I mean, you know, for me it was and, and, and musically too, like and musically kids, as well. Yeah, the kids get to do more. The kids, the kids have actual I music. Mean, it's funny because it's you know in this in this opera we have. An amazing cast, but it's all the young ones who get all the you know the the hardest work goes to the 11 year old boy, and then we have these these wonderful like you know veterans of the of the Met stage who have like two things to do as boring parents. Yeah, um, they hit three notes. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. And, well, and also their music is always like really limited. Like it never goes anywhere. It's just this kind of like plodding, um, you know. It's like suburban suburban nonsense. And I think, but I think for a lot of people, you know, in my generation, it's like if you in you're in high school and your Your parents' life just starts to seem so tedious and that's the, you know that's the moment when you begin to to sort of separate yourself and I think it happens a lot faster now because because we have access online to other sort of communities either of, of shared interests or of imagined shared interests or of of just possibility, you know. It feels like you. Could, it's easier to imagine yourself out of your out of your tedious suburban
1: home. Can I ask you to talk about writing for the eleven year old? I heard um, Stephen Sondheim in an interview once talk about writing certain songs. And I remember, where 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 are the clowns from Little Night Music? Is one of these songs? And he said sure, he had send in the clowns. Send me? in the clowns. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, where are the clowns? Where does that come from? <laughs> send in the clowns um, from Little Night Music. And he said he, he 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 knew when he wrote that song, he knew that he had a casting problem. He's th- that for the show to be a commercial success, that song was going to have to be sung by a star, a big star of a certain age, and he knew that a lot of the big box office draws who they were going to be able to cast might not be the greatest singers, and so he made the range of that song if super limited. Octave, right? yeah. What? Yeah, yeah, and so it's like, you know, just a couple of notes, a and it's super easy to sing, and, and I was wondering, when you were writing for the 11-year-old did, did you have to write parts giving the 11-year-old easier stuff to do than the world's greatest opera singers who you had doing the rest of the parts?
3: Yes and no. Um, it's easy in the beginning, and then you know, when we, we first meet this boy when he's singing in church, at which point it's totally, totally easy. And then at the, at the very end, when he's going through this very complicated thing, he actually, he actually has to sing the most rhythmically complicated music in the score. Um, when he's sort of giving those instructions, he's like, "Wait five minutes, go out there, do this, yeah. do that." Um, all that is by far the most complicated music for the orchestra, for him, for everyone.
1: And, and, ha- and ha-
3: how did he do? He's great, yeah. And in fact, you know, I, f- I find that that kids kids are too young to know that it's hard. Um, one of the things, you know, older opera singers, I've, I've learned. I hope there's no one here. Um, <laughs> it's like with with rhythm. Opera singers are just not trained to, to deal with rhythm and you have to get a little like Temple Grandin with them where it's like they'll see like some weird, some, they'll see like a, like a 3-8 bar over there and they'll spook for no reason. So you really have to like get down on their level and like look around and make sure that there's something shiny. Um, it's, it's, a really biz- it's a really bizarre thing. It's like they, they just didn't, they didn't get, they didn't get their asses kicked at about about coming at the right place because it was it was you know, the beautiful voice was the most important thing So with 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 rhythmic stuff. I always feel like you know, let the adults just just come slowly to it but but Andrew this the, our, our boy um, you know, he came with that really prepared mm-hmm. and didn't think it was hard at all because it's not and um, <laughs>
1: And didn't spook himself out because he's not, you know, he's not old enough to to be anxious. But did you consciously make it so that a lot of the score was going to be easy for him to sing, and then no, so well, no, I no, didn't. You I just, mean, you I did, did whatever also, you wanted.
2: Yeah,
3: also, you have to remember that the kids, kids are they want they want a challenge. If, right. it's, too, if it's too easy, then it's not fun. Right. Um, and if it's too easy, also, like if you know, I knew that whoever was going to sing this role was going to have to be a, a particularly bright and and sort of clever. Um, Eleven-year-old or twelve-year-old or whatever. He's amazing. Yeah, he's amazing. And he and so a, as a result, you know, you know that if someone who's someone whose parents are going to let him do this, actually, like everything's got to be loosely okay at home. Yeah. And that that
1: translates to he's going to need a challenge and something so, to kind of wrestle with. So let me let me play that section. Um, Which
3: church, or the scary section? The scary section, <laughs> the, the,
1: the part where he's giving the instructions. Yeah. So basically, okay. So here's, there's no way to tell this story without kind spoiler of spoiler alert. Okay, so um, the way you stage it is really interesting. Like, like, like at some point, like we're spending the whole opera, you know. Not knowing who's the person behind all the avatars, and then the way that you reveal it is one of the avatars is singing instructions on how to commit the murder. The secret agent is is, is singing instructions on how to commit the murder, and she walks downstage, and the boy starts singing with her. And in the audience, you realize like, oh right, it's the boy, and um, and it's it's the most it's the most beautiful. I mean, it's so emotional and it's so beautiful. And I want to talk about this moment, and let's let's play it first so people can hear it. So this is the instructions on how to... Yes, I want you to... And basically what's happening is the secret agent is typing to the 16-year-old saying, I want you to kill the 12-year-old by a knife. You know, here are your instructions. Here's how to do it. Here's what I want you to say to him as you're killing him. And their voices, so
3: she starts and then he picks up and then it sort of crossfades.
1: Okay, here we go. understand the words. so so basically the 12 year old is saying over the internet to the 16 year old that he wants the 16 year old to kill him um and when he's stabbing the knife between his ribs he wants him to look him in the eye and say I love you bro because the 12 year old is in love with the 16 year old when you when you and and Craig were thinking about how to do the reveal Mm. of who it is like you know there are a bunch of different strategies you could use, right? Because the detective could realize it. Like that's one way we could see the detective figure it out. We've got a detective, the whole thing, right. and you don't. And instead, like we get to watch it and realize, like, oh, she's him, and then he takes over, and it's done in such a perfect, like, like way for the op- for a, a piece of theater that 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 he takes over the line and they get to do a duet, and it's beautiful, and it's so sad, and it's real, too. The I love you, bro, that's from the real that's, case. Yeah, for real. Yeah. yeah, like that was the real thing that, that the little kid told the other kid to say while trying to kill him, is I love you, bro. And, um, like, did you consider other strategies? Like, were there other ideas well, we that you're knew, just, like... We wanted, we wanted to make sure that it was
3: simultaneously musical and text and production, so that, you know, because there's, there are ways to reveal things where you just say it, right? Or there's ways to reveal things where you know, the score could know. Like, for instance, what a great trick in opera is that the singers are in one world and the orchestra's in another, so the orchestra could know that something was up. Or you could just, I could write instrumental music and we could see it
1: happening, or it could happen in the video, but this, it all had Wait, to happen. How, how do you do it that the singers don't know, but the orchestra knows? What is that?
3: That would be something more like, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. A good I mean, Benjamin Britten does this a lot, where you will you'll have people singing kind of happy, happy, or actually, you know, a, a better example of this is, is in Wozzeck, where even when other people are singing and having a great time and they're, they're, in the, they're in the, you know, the mess hall drinking beer, the orchestra is about his emotional kind of, which is, which is dark, right? Um, and so you get, you get the sense that basically the score, the, the orchestra knows something that, that the people on stage don't. Okay. Um, this happens in this happens in film too, like right where the score the score
1: tells you when someone walks in, oh, like she's a monster, you know, whatever, yeah. or the score tells you like that guy's coming. Um, so so in this, so when you were thinking through how to do this, so you wanted something that would be visual. Just walk right. through the thinking of this. Well, we wanted something that, that that could be simultaneously, you know, acted, staged, um,
3: and you know, with the text obviously and, and with the music. I wanted to make sure that it was it it for me it had to be the simplest music, and the most the most kind of harmonically. Um simple. (laughs) It's and and I I knew that by I mean do you think it's gotta be really pretty? Like is that a thought that goes to your head? In in this case it it had to be because otherwise otherwise you would still be in this kind of perpetual like noir kind of spin, right? And so so musically what's going on is that you know it it's another one of these drone things, but uh, is this the key? Yeah. Right? Those are those are the only notes. And there's the brass doing that. And then, right, it's really, really simple. It could be, it could be easily like a, you know, a cheesy piano ballad, <laughs> but it's you know, orchestrated deliciously. But it, the, um, and it, you know, it sort of harkens back to the, to the church music from before. And you get the sense of, this church music in the piece in an earlier scene. What, I, what I like about this, what, the reason I, I said it this way is also, you know, if you start a, a, a progression, you never quite know where home is. Like this is sort of home, but this is the key that we're in. And what's this? And this could be home also. So you get the and you know, you, you never really you never really land. It's all very kind of your it's 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 sort of it's the purest expression of it's the pure expression of, of of emotion in the score kind of. Yeah. Um, which we needed to do in order for in order for you to have any sympathy at all with the little kid, you know, because otherwise he's just like a weird pervert, which no. he is. Which he is, but you know, you need to you need to be there with him, because, you know, at, at and, and part and part of the part of the fun also of clearing out all the orchestra. It, it's, it's a sort of tumultuous second act. You clear away all the orchestra, and you just have four brass instruments, right? So it begins. It's four brass instruments, and then you add the four. Inside members of the, of the string quartet, so just the you know violin, second violin, um, viola, and cello, and then it spreads out to the section randomly. So they just ev- they, everyone can join in slowly. So at the end, randomly, yeah. actually randomly. Yeah, I mean, so you know, whenever I said, don't come in the, on the on a downbeat, just come in whenever you know, come in whenever. Does oh. everyone be in by, you know. It's like saying, it's like saying you know, come in, come over at six thirty for seven, right? You can trickle in before seven, but as long as we're all there by then. Um, so and, and were there other ideas that you guys considered for that moment? Was we, that a hard
1: Was that a hard moment to figure no,
3: out? No, no. It was actually one of the first ones we figured out. And you know, there, there are a lot of interestingly, there are a lot of parts of the score. Um, and this is, I know, this is true for for so many things that I've done. But you know, the where the first idea, the idea that I had in like two thousand and seven or whatever, has made it all the way to the end unchanged. And this was this is one of them. Mm. Um, and you know, I I I sort of I sort of bathe in the deliciousness of those. Tend to be people's sort of favorite parts, <laughs> the ones that have stayed. the 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 controversial ones are are still, uh, you know, the ones that the ones what are that the were. the controversial di- ones? No, it's you know, it, it, there we had a whole, basically, you know, that, that moment where she where she says end of thread. Yeah. A, a little. It's it's difficult in a in a in a cop story in a detective story to know how much we need to know about her, right? If you're in, if you're watching a, a police drama, how much do you need to know?
1: Right? Can it just be someone who just moves through like a shark, or yeah. do you want? Yeah, I, I read that between the London production and this production, you gave her a lot of backstory and all this right. thing.
3: And it wasn't that you know,
1: it's it, it's not that much information. I'm against that. But I'm totally against. You're against it. backstory. I'm against, I'm, a ba- I'm against backstory for her. I don't care about her. You don't care about her? No, I just care about the kids. I do. That's I don't... fine. That's, I mean, listen, that's fine.
3: But then meanwhile, other people are like, we need to know more about her. So you know, you 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 try to. Yeah. I mean, and for me, as the as the as the you know composer of the thing, but it, you, you want to make sure that. You're writing enough music for everyone to feel like there's a
1: there's a sense that she belongs. She exists, to right? No, that makes sense. Um, she has and, to be more three dimensional. She can't just be a, right.
3: Exactly, and you know, and we we there were iterations of it where where she was very two D, and it just it didn't work because we were like, well, what then? Why do you need this lady running around the stage the whole yeah, time? Yeah, I see that.
1: I see that. Um, okay, so let's just fin- I think we should finish up. My last question for you is, um, it's like constant publicity, um, newspaper articles. Um, and, and it feels like, um, I'm just wondering, like, kind of, how is it going for you? Do you feel suddenly like you're being pegged with this thing? Like, like right now you're being pegged with like being young is your gimmick. Well, you know, I don't feel young anymore at all. Like, <laughs> is that true? <laughs> Once you pass 30, you're not young. I mean, are you? <laughs> but um, you know what I mean? Like there's so much like the youngest composer to have an opera. Th- I like, mean, you, know, you know, just like, you know, so 32 is apparently. You're it's like very a baby young. for yeah, a composer.
3: Right. Yeah. Um, I, you know, honestly, the, the, way, the way in which, um, you know, basically, dealing with press, dealing with a large arts organization, you, you have to sort of, at a certain point, just submit to the idea that people are gonna talk about this thing in basically insane ways. Um, and that they'll be like, you know, that, that, that the work, the scene of this little score is gonna be freighted with a lot of other information. That's, that has to do with how people think about, you know, pe- you know there, there are people who think, there, there are a lot of people in the universe um, who have some emotions about opera and how that should work. Um, and there are people who have emotions about um, this particular story, and there are people who have really deep emotions about The Met, and there are people who have really deep emotions about, you know, what should and should not be at The Met. And, the, and it's, you know, you, at a certain point, you have to kind of not worry about it because,
1: you know, and and are you feeling like, is it annoying the like thirty-two year old composer? Do you just feel like, oh, for God's sake, when when do they when do they strike my age from the from the you know? That's a good point. You know, I actually it, it's interesting.
3: I, I was talking to the, another composer who's ten exactly ten years older than me. Tom Tom Addis, said that they stopped they stopped giving him a hard time at thirty-three. I think he was maybe just trying to make me feel better. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, it's you know. I, I, also, the other thing is I I've been avoiding reading anything. If I, if I can, yeah. um, because, you know, the, actually the, the worst thing for me is, is advanced press, because it's always so, if, if it's like really, really positive, then I feel like it's jinxing it in some weird way. And also because in, in classical music, like if something gets a lot of good advanced press, that means it must be evil. Wait, what? We, we love to eat our own, That's the, the, the deal is that if something gets good advanced press, it means, that, it means that what you must do is when it comes out, just stomp on it with a big boot. Mm. Um, you know, it's sort of like, it, it's, it's almost as bad as, like, indie rock. Yeah. It's like, it's so oh, yeah, overhyped, yeah, 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 it's so overhyped. It's not my fault, I didn't do it. I didn't make the hype. I, I made like the Right, beats. right, so that's a problem.
1: Oh, right. <laughs> oh,
3: yeah, classic music, we hate it. Right. Um, so that's, that's a little strange. But, it, you know, whatever. It's, I mean, I think one of the things I like about opera, actually, is that people are so batshit crazy about it that they really want to fight about it. Like, it's still... It's not like... It's, no, no one is indifferent about it. People really have deeply felt... Yeah. You know, and if, if, if you, yeah, if, if you want to see, like, a dark place on the internet, go to, like, an opera blog. Oh, okay, then. <laughs> no, seriously, it's like... It's like these, these German sex dungeons have nothing on these opera queens. They are... And they go for the jugular, like... And it's... it's do you know what they're saying about you? I have no idea. Well, I can imagine. Um, but Why, What do you imagine? What do you I don't know. Let's, should we go now and see? No, <laughs> in, 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 a of, in a lot of cases, it's just... There's a... It, I, I feel like what, what I like again, what I like about opera is that it's a thing, it's an object that people think is worth protecting, right? It's like a grail, right? The, and they make and and yeah. op, fans of opera, both you know, from age, I mean, from age eight to age, you know, 105, make this sort of like protecting wall around it, and everyone has their own sense of what should be allowed in and should be allowed out, and and it's, you know, it's great to see that there's there's still. An art form that's so, I think, miraculous that it exists, that people are are really passionate about defending, even though they're crazy. It's great. This is a good thing. I mean, it's you know, and I'm I'm there too. I mean, it's I I,
1: I want this thing to survive, and you know. And do you feel like you you've been embraced, or do you feel like you've been kind of like? punched around a little. Yeah,
3: it's, it's a hug and then you feel a little pinching on the, no, it's, it's, um, <laughs> it's, you know, they're just checking to see if, if when the revolution comes, if you'd be good, good eating. Um, <laughs> like, no, I, I to- totally, and it, uh, honestly, like, the, you know, the, the, the Met and also the ENO, when we, we did this in London, have been extraordinarily good at not making it feel like a freak show. Yeah. It's not, so, you know, you go to the Met and it's like, the people who run that place, and I, I mean, like, physically move all the shit around, they are so good at what they do, and the people who make the wigs are so good at what they do, and the people who make the, you know paint the backdrop and whatever, and it's like, they, they don't think about it as like, it's this random 32-year-old like gay internet thing. For them, it's like, this is a, a serious thing as part of our season, and we're gonna do this the best we can, and that's, that's really what it needs. You know, that, and that's the attitude that I, I want everyone to have about it, which is, it's not like, first opera, 32, whatever, but, it, but instead, this is an opera, let's go see it and, and judge it on its, on its uh, its merits are like they're
1: <laughs> All right, that's a perfect place to stop. Okay, bye. Um, five more performances. <laughs> Thanks so much. Nico, that's take
2: sorry.
0: a bow. Thanks for listening to the New York Public Library podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. And please leave us a review. It really helps us out a lot. You can follow NYPL on Twitter or Facebook And sign up for our newsletter at nypl.org.